The Z-Ball podcast is a casual conversation that occasionally delves into mature subjects and may contain vulgar adult language. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to the Z-Ball Podcast. I'm Zeeshan Khan. NBA free agency is finally upon us, and boy, what a start it has been. A lot of uh, big-time deals being uh, shelled out from teams, teams spending a lot of money, a lot of ridiculous contracts. So uh, joining me to talk about all, to get into all this, diehard Boston Celtics fan from Pasadena, California, Akshay. How are you, sir? Okay, uh, so the big domino in this whole free agency is uh, Kevin Durant. He's uh, currently being courted by uh, a number of teams in the Hamptons in New York City. So, uh, kind of, what do you think about uh, Kevin Durant so far? Do you think it's most likely uh, useless this this courting process? Do you think he's going to end up back in Oklahoma City? Uh you know what? Uh, like I said, uh, uh, last month I was on the podcast. I think. Eventually, I think um, there's a 90% shot that uh, Kevin Durant's going to go back to Oklahoma City for a one-on-one deal. Um, a two-year contract uh, after after one, I'm thinking, and then go again next year when the salary cap uh, rises even more. But there's a good shot, you know. I mean, uh, you know how, uh, how the free agency is going. There's a good shot a team can sign him. And I, I think right now, you know, for what we've seen, um, yeah, I think he met with the, the Warriors, he met with the Spurs, he met with the Clippers. Uh, I think uh, from what I've seen, what I've read is the Clippers uh, made a very good impression upon him. And uh, he, tonight he's meeting with the Celtics, which is another team which can make a great impression upon him. But then again, we'll have to see what happens because uh, I think in the end, uh, I think he's going to most likely re-sign with Oklahoma because uh, he has a bond. He's been there, what, eight, eight nine years, I believe. Uh, um he has a friendship with uh, with Westbrook. He has uh, um, his uh, all the um, all the organizations, all, all the stuff he started there for that community. So I think he that's gonna be really hard to pass up, unless unless you never know what happens, you know, with the league. I mean, like uh, uh, Celtics uh, have met with Al Horford, one of his close friends, and Al Horford is gonna make a decision today whether he's gonna sign with the Celtics or with. So, you know, if uh, if that all goes through with the Celtics, when they meet him tonight, they can bring Al Holford with him to the meeting. So you never know, but I think in the end, he's supposed to be, I think he's, he's going back to Oklahoma. All right, uh, definitely. Uh, yeah, it's looking like, uh, to me, uh, basically, he's going to go back to Oklahoma City. And it's looking like these meetings are kind of just of um, forward into the next year, where uh, Durant signs the one plus one, and then... Uh, basically kind of just uh, surveys the landscape again next year. And it seems like to me, uh, he just wants to go through the process of getting courted and everything. He wants to see what it's like to get wine and dine by these teams and so forth. So it looks like he's going with a one plus one just because of the financial flexibility and then the ridiculous uh, contract that he's probably going to end up signing next year, the long-term one. So, uh, 
ultimately, uh, do you think uh, there's a long-term future? Like, if he goes back to Oklahoma City, do you think Oklahoma City is even the favorite to win the title over Golden State? I would think so. You know, because they came so close to beating them. You know, I mean, so close to beating them. You could look at it either way. Um, you could look at it way, uh, either way where uh, maybe they didn't have a... Um, they didn't have the closing experience in those games with Wickham or NBA wanted uh, um, uh, Warriors in the finals with those no calls with Andre Mont Green. Who knows? You can go any way, but I think uh, I think Oklahoma definitely is going to be one of the one if the of uh, the favorites to win, if not the favorites. Uh, I mean, keep in mind uh, Oklahoma's uh, GM, uh, in my mind, the best GM in the league. You know, Sam Presti. I mean, the guy is uh, the guy is willing to like to take uh, steps. You know, he's willing to take risk, and, do, and look what he did. He he put uh, he put um, Serge Ibaka to uh, Orlando. Picked up uh, Victor Arvidal, uh Irvin Isilopa, and I think which is one of the um, the main. Um, uh, I, I, actually, um, I think the, the third thing that he did, which is uh, which is not considered one of them, um, it's not considered as important as Victor Alvedo's. He got the rights to Devontae, I think Devontae Sabonis or something, uh, the rookie um, uh, coming out of Europe, who's considered one of the most um, one of the most physical players coming out ever. So it's like um, what he's doing is amazing, and then now there's even rumors. How uh, we'll have to see where this whole uh, Al Holford uh, thing goes into play because there's rumors how um, he might even look into shedding salary to get to sign Al Ho- to sign Al Holford. So if uh, Kevin Durant, Al Holford, definitely go to uh, well, if, if Kevin Durant resigns with Oklahoma, they still have a great chance. And if they get Al Holford too, then you have to put him at the top of the league. So, I mean, uh, right now, I think we have to give it another, what, uh, until the end of this weekend, uh, until the, uh, the end of the long weekend to see what happens, well, to see what all, all the pieces play or all the pieces fall, you know? And then, uh, and then from there, I think we'll get a better understanding of what's going to happen. All right, uh, definitely. Uh, and then uh, Oklahoma City, great haul by them. Uh Flipping Serge Ibaka, they're probably gonna eventually gonna have to pay either him or uh, Stephen Adams. Uh, is Al Horford really a realistic possibility for Oklahoma City? I'm not really so sure, just because of. Uh, I think he is because what they can do is Sam Presti. What he can do is uh, what if President Durant does we sign Oklahoma, which I think uh, there's a 90% chance which he does. He can always reach out to Al Horford. You know, and then uh, he can say, hey, you know what, why don't you join us uh, for one year um, with a one-and-one one, or a one-year contract for what? Well, not a max, maybe like uh, 20-something million. And then next year, when the salary cap increases even more, and then he can say, okay, we can resign you with more money next year. So, I mean, there's, there's so many possibilities what can happen. You know, but it all depends where Kevin Durant ends up. Um, he ends up signing with. He's a domino that has to fall. And after that, everything else will fall into place. 
Yeah, but I mean, next year, uh, I think Thunder are going to have to pay Russell Westbrook as well, and then Steven Adams, too, so... I mean, even even with a even with a rising salary cap in the in the NBA, it's kind of it's going to be kind of hard to pay all four of those guys: Westbrook, uh, Durant, Horford, and Stephen Adams. So I mean, it's going to be hard to pay him, but but there's always a possibility. You know, if you look at the fact where uh, look at uh, uh, the Celtics, right? Yeah, if you look at the Celtics when they signed uh, Durant, I mean, uh, when they signed. Uh, um, Garnett and they signed Ray Allen back in 2008. At that time, they pretty much, Paul Pierce, Ray Allen, Kevin Garnett, and Rondo, those four were pretty much took up 90% of the payroll. The rest of the guys were pretty much, um, um, they were on NBA rookie deals or uh, they were pretty much all free agents who just wanted to, like, uh, have a chance at a ring. And then they ended up winning it. And the same philosophy came in with the Miami Heat. You know, I mean, they didn't win it in year one, but in year two, when they, um, Wade, uh, Bosch, uh, LeBron, um, I forget the other, uh, um, I forget the other, there's one more, but they, they all did the same thing, same philosophy. They had all their contracts pretty much maxed out, their contracts, uh, maxed out, uh, or the level, uh, um, of money the Heat had, but the rest of the guys, they sold it out with, uh, with, uh, older veterans or, um, um, or rookie deals or, or what so, you know? So there is a possibility. I mean, it's the same thing uh, with um, with the Clippers. What they were pursuing at Durant is uh, they can join a, a big four, you know, and you can get uh, DeAndre, Blake, uh, you can get uh, Griffin, and you can get Durant. But if that were to happen, it's the same concept. Is what they have to do is uh, they got to, because uh, all four of those guys will take up Pretty much 90% of the cost of all of the money uh, that, that they have for the thing, and then the rest has to be uh, filled out with uh, lesser role players, role players, or rookies, who, or what so, you know. So, I mean, it, it's definitely a possibility, but then we have to wait and see what happens. Uh, definitely, it's interesting to see what will happen. But I mean, in these cases, like the Miami Heat back in 2010 and the Boston Celtics back in 2008, it requires uh, your your top level superstars to take pay cuts and kind of sacrifice a little a little bit of stuff. So I don't know. I I just don't see Russell Westbrook as that ki- that type of guy, and maybe even Stephen Adams or Kevin Durant. So I don't I don't know what what to make of it. But it'll definitely be interesting to see what happens. So. Uh, Durant, he's not all about money. I mean, he's that type of free agent. He's like one of these free agents that you see every now and then that come into the league. He's not all about money. Because he makes so much money on the side, whether through uh, um, sponsorships, commercials, or whatever it is. He makes more money than he makes from his salary. So, I mean, for him, it's not about money. I think him is a chance to. Chance to, uh, because he's more of like, uh, how would you say, he's more like a family man. You know, he's, he's more important to, like, what he started, and he wants to finish what he started. He wants to, he's, he feels more um, bonded to what the things that he's, the things that he's doing, you know what I mean? Okay, definitely. Okay, so we both are in agreement on Kevin Durant probably in back in Oklahoma City on the one plus one, correct? Correct, correct. Okay, definitely. Then moving on, uh, a lot of other big deals uh, going on, a lot of money just being thrown around, and then 
a lot of NFL players being jealous about the deals that NBA players are getting, and it's just crazy the the amount of money that's being thrown around. So uh kind of wanted to get into uh, Mike Conley, who's actually signed the, the biggest contract so far, and it, in NBA history is only the third player to get an average of $30 million a year, signing a five-year max deal with to go rejoin Memphis Grizzlies for $153 million. Just wanted to get your thoughts on Memphis moving forward. And then they also signed Chandler Parsons to a four-year max deal worth $95 million. So what do you think about Memphis moving forward? Oh, that was a great deal. They had to re-sign Mike Holman. You know, that guy is one of the up-and-coming point guards in the league. And then he's that, uh, he's what he called, he's sort of the nucleus to that team. You know, I mean, without him, I don't think uh, I don't think they're uh, they're that great of a team. You know, but going forward, they definitely have a great shot now. You have what Memphis, you have him, Mike Conley, you have Marcus All, you have Ezebo, uh and you add at Channel Parsons now, who's a deadly outside shooter from the three point line. So that that definitely gives them um, that definitely gives them uh, a great chance to get to the Western Conference Finals. But the, but the thing is, what it comes down to is, uh, I don't know too much about the team. I don't know what their depth is. I don't know who they have as backups. And that's going to play a key role. And uh, we'll, we'll have to see what happens, you know. But, but it's definitely, uh, I would say, it, in my opinion, it's definitely a, a good start for their, for their 2016 to 2017 NBA season. Okay, yeah, definitely. Uh, I think that's, it. no matter how good he is, I think that's just too much money to throw at someone like Mike Conley. I think, but they kind of were hamstrung, and then based on what, how they finished last season de- with a depleted roster and so forth, they kind of seemed like they had to do it. But uh, well, I think uh, uh, this is how the league is going, dog, and I think it's, it's that's a sad part about it. These TV contracts, these uh, things which are coming in every year, it's like, uh, I mean, these contracts that the players are getting, uh, it's, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous, you know, I mean, like you said, this 150 million uh, contract, you know, the biggest so far, this wages. But who to say what's going to happen next year? Next year, you're going to start seeing $200 million, I mean, $200 million contract coming out, you know, so it's just how the league is going. You know, and then um, uh, just to hint at a little bit what you mentioned before with the NFL is, uh, in my opinion, I think, I mean, in the NFL, no matter what the NBA does with all these huge contracts or not, it's still going to play second fiddle to the NFL. It's still going to play catcher, no matter what it does. And, uh, and, and the players, and the NFL players, you know, they do have a right to say, hey, you know what, where's my money? But the thing is, you have to realize is uh, in that uh, what in the NBA there's what each team has a max of like 15 ro- uh, spots on the roster, more likely maybe 12, 13 uh, are filled as season goes. Well, in the NFL you have what 53 players, right, on the team. So it's a huge difference in the amount of players and, and the money involved that the players get. But you know, I mean, we're gonna see what's gonna happen next year. The NFL might do the same thing. You know, I mean they. I think the NFL doesn't have a salary cap right now, right? I, 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 I'm not 100% sure, but uh, 
The NFL has a hard salary cap, and the big difference in the, the big difference in the contracts from the NBA to the NFL is that the NBA the contracts are fully guaranteed, whereas the NFL there's only a certain portion of the contract that is guaranteed. So it's always the third number you look for when when NFL deals are signed that tells you this amount of of the contract is guaranteed. So that's probably the biggest difference between the two sports. And like you said, also, NFL, they have more players, uh, a bigger roster, 53-man roster, compared to a 15-man roster in the NBA. Correct, correct. So, I mean, we'll, we have to wait and see, dog. You know, see, uh, I don't know what's going to happen. You know, it's, it's, it's ever-changing, you know, with, with these leagues and the money that's involved with, with these TV contracts. So we'll have to wait and see. But I think it's going to be... It's gonna be uh, very interesting to Okay, definitely. Uh, moving forward uh, to another uh, kind of uh, mm-hmm. big name who, uh, I don't know if he's that much of a big name anymore, uh, Dwight Howard, uh, the center for Houston Rockets, uh, returning to his hometown of Atlanta on a three-year deal worth $70.5 million. Just uh, wanted to get your thoughts on where that puts Atlanta in terms of them re-signing Al Horford and then... Uh, what do you think his uh, fit looks like in Atlanta with uh, their new uh, young roster and under coach Mike Budenholzer? Okay. Uh, signing Dwight Howard, you know, Dwight Howard had what? He had two options this offseason. One was re-sign with, the, I mean, sign with Atlanta or or have a meeting with the Celtics. Obviously, I think he chose to sign with Atlanta, which I think he is a great deal, um, is it, a good signing for Atlanta because Atlanta is his hometown. They can resell, uh, he comes back to his hometown. They can imagine the money they can make off of uh, marketing off this stop power. Talk about ticket sales, uh, you're talking about jerseys, and so on, you know, commercials, whatever it is. Uh, he makes so much money. Uh, but I think with Al Horford, I think that window has passed. You know, I think they they are not willing to give Hal Horford uh, the five-year max deal, and I think that um, they have told Hal Horford uh, that they want to resign him and try to do something with the other players and then try to make it work. But I think uh, I don't know. I mean, it's sort of like you know how the NBA is or you know how players are. Teams have to show love to them, you know, because it's. Uh, it's not about money anymore because these players can go to any other team and make the same amount, if not more. You know, and I think this is where um, Boston and uh, Washington come into play because they're offering the max to Al Horford, which I think he's still. I mean, he's still one of one of the best, uh, one of the best big men in the league. You know, and I think it's. it's I don't know what this happened. How to put it? Well, how it's going to play out? But you know, I mean, I think, uh, I think, in my opinion, Atlanta lost out already because they signed Howard. They didn't even um, talk to Horford about signing Howard. They just signed. They signed Howard, and then now they're uh, they won't give Horford the max. And I read it this morning that they're saying they're willing to offer a fifth year, but not the max. So I think it's just uh, they're playing this little game with Al Horford, and I think. Eventually, in the end, it, it, it lose out with it. All right, yeah, definitely. Al Horford, very talented center. Uh, I think he's actually uh, better than Hassan Whiteside, who just signed a four-year max deal with the to rejoin the Miami Heat for ninety-eight million dollars. 
Uh, he's very skilled, big man, passes very well, high basketball IQ, he's a very good defender too. So uh, it seems like Boston and the Wizards are the front runners to sign him. Where do you think he ultimately ends up? I think he ends up in Boston. That's what I'm thinking. Because in Boston, you have, uh, let's put, uh, in Boston, I was thinking about this. In Boston, okay, he can make the same money in Washington. But with Boston, you get a younger core team. You get more, Boston have more, has more draft picks. And they'll have the ability to, to get, uh, to sign more players via free agency. Because they have more money to spend. So I think eventually he will go to Boston. But then again, who knows what? Who knows what can happen in this NBA? You know, I mean, you can see it at the last second, some team can, some uh, some third team can come out and offer him money. You know, like uh, I wouldn't be saying there's been rumors how the Spurs might go after. You know, I think they're waiting on Durant, and then once I make, I think he's the first one to fall, Durant, and then. After that, the Spurs can they can uh, reshuffle some of their lineup and they can get some money and make an offer an offer to down over. So I mean, it, I think it all depends. You know, it, I think everything's going to go down by the end of this weekend. All right, yeah, definitely. It'll be interesting to see what happens. But uh, in terms of him uh, going to Boston or Washington, I I personally think Washington would be a better fit just because. I think they have more young, talented uh, players on their team, like with uh, their core of John Wall and Bradley Beal. But uh, in terms of uh, front office and building a team, I think Boston has a better front office with all the moves they've made the past couple of years, accumulating uh, assets and so forth. Go ahead. No, correct, correct. Definitely. They have the better moves, but I think ultimately it's come down to one thing he's going to consider is a coach. And then in Boston, you have Brad Stevens, who's a very up-and-coming coach. And I think if Brad Stevens can get the best out of him, where I think Holford can, can become, he can easily become, um, in, in, in systems that Boston plays, he can become a, uh, he can become, he can have the highest uh, the ratings he's ever had in the league. That's what I, my belief is. Because when you have, when you bring him to uh, to Washington, okay, you have Bradley Beal, John Wall. Those all uh, those guys are very ball dependent. You know, they they need the ball in their hands. Boston, that's not how it's right. Boston's a very like the Spurs sort of thing system. You know, they pass the ball. They look for the best ball they will shot. They create the matchups. You know, and I I think that's a system where Al Holford can show his best. You know what I mean? All right, definitely, and then for Atlanta as well, they also re-signed uh, their forward, uh, up-and-coming up player, uh, Kemp Bazemore, to a four-year, $70 million deal. So what do you think uh, for Atlanta moving forward? Do you think they have a legitimate shot to kind of uh, challenge Cleveland? Because that's all, it seems like that's been the, the thorn in their uh, in their playoff hopes of the last couple of years. They definitely have a shot with the signing. Well, I mean, it's to see what happens a lot how everything plays out, but let's, let's go with the scenario that uh, Howard is obviously there and then Holford signs uh, uh, with another team like the Celtics. And then you have um, the big men are Paul Millsap, um, Troy Howard, uh, then you have Kent Bazemore, and the rest of them you have... Uh, Kyle Corver. Yeah, Kyle Corver, and then the guy who's uh, the Rondo clone, I forget his name. And then Dennis um, Schroeder, 
will slide in as the starting point guard with the departure of Jeff Teague. I think they, they definitely have a shot, you know, but I think in the end it's going to come down to coaching. It's going to come down to the coach and how he utilizes uh, the team, especially with Dwight Howard. Because I think Dwight Howard can still be a monster in this league. You know, I still think he, he can be uh, he can be that monster when he came into the league, you know, but the only thing is he needs to find the right situation. And he has to find the right coach that can utilize his talent. You know, I think when he was in... Uh, when he went to the Lakers, that trade was a pretty bad move by the, by the Lakers. He didn't fit in well there with the culture. Then he went to Houston, then he uh, he sort of uh, got into conversations with James Harden. You know, now he's with Atlanta. Atlanta doesn't really have like, that star player mentality like like they have like um, like Kobe in L.A. or Harden in Houston. You know, they have very good players, not that star star player. So. Uh, Dwight can sort of uh, sort of fit into that role, uh, sort of um, revive his career, I guess. That's, uh, but then again, it's all up to him. You know, it's all up to how hard he wants to play, how hard he wants to mesh with the team there. You know, so I mean, that's the whole thing, dude. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's gonna be it's gonna be a fun season to watch. I just don't know what what everybody's gonna end up finding. All right, yeah, definitely. Uh... And then uh, moving into another team that kind of uh, has really impressed me with their moves in the Eastern Conference, the Indiana Pacers. Uh, I think they made some smart moves. Uh, they've they acquired uh, Jeff Teague obviously in a three-team deal earlier before the the draft started, and they, yesterday they signed Al Jefferson to a three-year, thirty million dollar deal. They uh, traded for Thaddeus Young a couple weeks back as well, and uh, they have really have a Good starting lineup, in my opinion, with Jeff Teague, uh, Paul George, Miles Turner, Al Jefferson, Thaddeus Young, C.J. Miles. So, what do you think? Do you think uh, they can contend with the top teams in the East? Oh, oh, definitely. You know, I I think they can contend. You know, the only thing is that uh, I mean, Thaddeus Young was a great sign for them. Um, I would say. Uh, Al Jefferson was a good signing. I mean, he's not in his prime anymore. I don't think. I think he's still. He has some good years left in him, but I don't think he, he is what he was when he first came in with Boston. You know, but uh, but, it, but they still have uh, they still have Paul George. You know, so that's uh, so that's definitely so that's definitely you know. I mean, they can definitely be in the top team in the Eastern Conference. You know, but I, I think it all comes down. I forget who the coach is, but. It, I think it all comes down to the coach and the matchups. Yeah, Nate McMillan was promoted as their head coach. He was their assistant coach okay. for the last couple of years. So. Yeah, so I think it, it, it comes down to Nate McMillan, you know, how he meshes this team together. You know, because they, you have a lot more talent now, but the thing is, can you get, uh, can you get all of them to play together as a team? So, the, I mean, it's going to be fun, dude. It's, it's going to be fun to see what happens with all these New additions and the league. Because I think the league is uh, that's where it's sort of coming into, you know. So, uh, but I definitely think. I mean, if you look at the East now, depending on where everything plays out, with Boston getting over, uh, if they get Horford and if they make a run at Durant, or who knows who they can get because they have a lot of cap space. And you look at uh, possibly the Knicks getting Durant with all the moves they made. 
Then you look at Indiana, you look at uh, Washington, and possibly the Heat. We'll see what happens with that whole Dwayne Wade saga going on right now. I mean, the East is getting uh, East is getting very competitive now. Yeah, Toronto as well, uh, re-signing uh, oh, yeah, DeMar DeRozan. Yeah, and... But they still haven't signed this next Diombo yet. So we have to wait and see what happens with us. But yeah, DeMar DeRozan getting that huge contract, and I think uh, I think that's good for him, and that's actually good for the city of Toronto. You know, because I, I was watching something last night on ESPN, and they're saying, like, oh, all these guys Toronto lost over the years. Vince Carter, um, um, Chris Walsh, you know, all these players that they had, these star players. They lost them because Toronto, uh, once Jesse was in Canada, it was in the U.S., and families were in the U.S., and they couldn't, like, uh, they couldn't, um, with all the innovations now, technology-wise, talking over uh, FaceTime and all that, back when they were there, they wasn't there. You know, so they can talk on the phone or what it is. A lot of things have changed. And now I think that's one of the reasons why he even when DeMar DeRozan decided to, to, to re-sign back with them was because, hey, you know what? I want to be that guy. I want to be that guy that brings Toronto on the map. You know, but uh, I think that was a great re-signing. I think they paid him a lot of money, but that was a great re-signing for them, you know? Yeah, definitely it was. I mean, uh, I don't know if he needs to kind of take that next step to kind of become one of those uh, legitimate type superstars I mean, and kind of bring his game in the playoffs as well. But Toronto, I definitely coming off a good season, their best in their team history, uh, losing to the Cleveland Cavaliers in the Eastern Conference Finals. And then uh, moving forward, I mean, they're going to be one of the contenders again in the East, one of the maybe top four or five teams most likely. And it's going to be interesting to see. But I, I don't think they're going to be able to sign Resign Bismack Biombo. I think his price tag went up with the kind of the the play he had against Cleveland. So I think ultimately he's gonna probably someone's just gonna throw some crazy type money at him, and he's gonna end up signing with that that team. But uh, le- like you were mentioning, uh, what I want to talk about uh, another team, the Miami Heat, who also look to be in contention once again in the East, and their franchise cornerstone, their best player in. Uh, their franchise's history, Dwayne Wade. Uh, they ultimately call it Miami Wade County for a reason. So, wh- what do you think happens with Dwayne Wade? Uh, he's uh, kind of in the past taken some pay cuts, uh, sacrificed for other players, and so uh, it seems like he's uh, getting frustrated with the, the contract situation, the contract talks, and he's he seems to be talking to heavily heavily uh, discussions with the Milwaukee Bucks and the New York Knicks. So where do you think he ultimately ends up? Do you think it's just a, a ploy for him to get a bigger contract from the Heat, or do you think he's seriously considering leaving his uh, NBA, the only city he's ever known in the NBA, in which is Miami? I think it's a ploy. I think he's just trying to get uh, on the bargaining end. He wants to get higher uh, chips on the bargaining end. I don't think he's going to ever leave Miami. I think Miami is just seeing the fact where in my personal opinion, I think Miami, um, they want to go maybe, I mean, if you look at the age-wise, he's a little older. I, I, I don't know how old is he now, Dwayne Wade. He's 34. He's just, yeah, 34. He has, like, at the most two years left, I think, in his NFL life. I mean, his NBA life. You know, I think his play has 
he's still a great player, but I say has diminished. And then he wants uh, what north of uh, twenty million a year for the next uh, two years. I think that's a lot of money. You know, and obviously he is worth it. Don't get me wrong, but I think you have to look at the business side of it as well. Is that uh, is it worth it uh, for them to offer it? You know, I mean, the, the hence I bring back is uh, the hence uh, I, I want to get into a little bit is the Lakers. You know, I mean. Look at Kobe two years ago. They signed him to that, what, two-year, $48 million contract, I believe, what it was, uh, or around that um, Yeah, two-year, uh, two $50 million, somewhere around that range. Yeah, yeah, that range, $50 million, which at that same time, he was saying, yeah, Kobe has been with the Lakers. I mean, the same thing was being said. Kobe has been with the Lakers. Uh, he, he, made, he sort of made the Lakers. You know, he deserves this money, which is all went and true. You know, and which so the Lakers ended up paying the money. But, uh, but you're seeing now, you're seeing the off effects of that. You're seeing after he left, I mean, when he was there, and then uh, uh, no free agent really wanted to sign there, no marquee free agent. Now that he's gone, you're seeing in the last, uh, like this year, you're seeing a, a lot of big name free agents are spreading the Lakers. And the Lakers are ended up signing the likes of Timothy Mozgov. You know, which for a huge contract, and then um, they uh, they recently signed Luol Deng to another huge contract. So, so you see that same effect can happen with Miami. You know, if they choose to, uh, if they choose to, so and so resign Wade to that. I mean, they have to resign Wade. Don't get me wrong, but if they pay him that huge amount of money, you know, and. Uh, that's the problem with that. You know, I mean, you want loyalty, correct? You know, you want loyalty. You want to be paid for loyalty, but at the same time, um, what's going to happen to the state of the franchise? Yeah, they definitely got to find some sort of middle ground between the loyalty and also building for the team's future. And if they give something to Dwayne du- Wade north of twenty million dollars, I think that that would be a terrible move for them. Uh, I think Dwayne Wade probably still on their current roster is still their best player given all they have, Goran Dragic, Hassan Whiteside, so forth. But if if they want to be in serious contention for to win titles in the future, I think they got to land someone like Kevin Durant, who they are actually meeting with in the Hamptons tomorrow. So, And you know Pat Riley, one of the best uh, front office guys probably in league history. So he's going to have his pitch uh, coming along with Andy Ellisberg and all the other Heat executives. They're going to have a good pitch for Kevin Durant tomorrow. So I think that's their main focus right now. And then after that, I think they're going to sort of uh, meet with Dwayne Wade's uh, management group and kind of figure out a contract and bringing him back to Miami. So I definitely do think uh, – what do you think about the whole Chris Bosh situation uh, moving forward? Do you think he's going to play again for a consistent amount of time like he did in his early years? Or do you think this blood clot issue is ultimately going to cut his career short? I, you know, that's a, a tough one. Uh, I think, I don't think he's, I think he'll ultimately play again, you know, but uh, this boycott thing is, is there, you know, and I, I think that can play a huge, um, that can be a huge problem, you know what I mean? I'm not 100%, uh, um, I don't know uh, a lot about this, this situation, but I think, you know what, I think, uh, um, I think the whole thing that's happening is, is 
I don't think he, he looks really good. Or it's going that way, you know what I mean? It's it's, it's not good PR for the Miami Heat. Uh, definitely, uh, Miami is really uh, scared to let Chris Bosh on the floor and so for something for liability purposes and so forth and they're just focused on his ultimate health at this point instead of his health on the basketball court so it's exactly, just exactly. I mean uh, uh, that's what it should be for his his health right now I mean basketball <coughs> excuse me basketball is comes second to obviously health it, it has to be health you know but the Miami has to be very careful with that you know with what they're doing because they can usually this can be a potential PR nightmare. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it's 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 going to be a tragedy if uh, we're not able to see uh, Chris Bosh back on the floor. I think uh, he's one of the smart, high IQ players in the NBA, and he's really an important part. I think to that Miami team if they would really want to contend for a, a, t- a shot at a title in the Eastern Conference. So definitely uh, another team you were talking about and. A team, in my opinion, has kind of become a laughing stock and become somewhat of a joke in free agency. Uh, the Los Angeles Lakers. I mean, what what the fuck has happened to this team? I mean, uh, they 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 can't even get they can't even get free agent meetings with guys like Hassan Whiteside, and they're just throwing money at guys like Timofey Mozgov. Um, and they actually made a good deal with with their young uh, shooting guard. Jordan Clarkson for a four-year, fifty million dollar deal. But so, what what do you think uh, is wrong with this team? Do you think it's just because they're they're terrible, they're not winning? What do you think ultimately is the reason why free agents aren't even like mid-level free agents aren't even giving them meetings? What do you think is the ultimate uh, cause of this? I think it, it, it comes down to management. Though. I think it's because you have uh, management is so what do you call? So, um, it's not because, I mean, it's just uh, at a loss. I mean, you have Genie Butts, you have Jim Butts who are at odds on on players who want to sign. You have Mitch Kupchak, which I think he's overrated as a GM. You know, I think it's, it's, it's a lot of things. I think it, I think the whole thing started with Kobe, you know, I hate to say it. And I think it started in the last two years when they gave Kobe that huge contract. You know, I think that that's when... The, that started the downfall, you know, because obviously at that point, um, Kobe, yeah, he's one of the best players in the league. And, uh, I, I mean, when he was playing, and he's going to be an NBA legend, you know. But the thing is that um, I, I hate to put it this way, but his attitude or not steered a lot of players away from him, and I, I think that's what hurt the Lakers. You know, you look at Shaq, who eventually left, Dwight Howard, eventually left. I mean, there's so many other players I can name. I don't remember off the hand. And I think that's that put, that played a huge process or a huge role in that. And now the Lakers, uh, it, 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 it's sad, though. I mean, I was watching the other day, I watched the uh, Ramona Shelburne, who's the uh, who's analyst who primarily covers the Lakers for ESPN and other networks. She goes on air and with uh, Amin Hassan and some other person. And she says, and she was on air, and she says, yeah, I, Kevin Durant, out of respect, should give the Lakers a meeting. And, I'm, and then as soon as I heard that, I just started laughing. <laughs> you know, I mean, whoa, 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 how can you say such a thing? You know, out of respect, give the Lakers a meeting? I mean, the guy doesn't want to play, that's why he's not even rescheduled to, 
if you didn't schedule a meeting with them. You can't get out of there and say, what respect do the Lakers, um, what does he owe the Lakers, you know what I mean? <laughs> it's, it's, to me, it's amazing how this how this person can go on, the, on air, national TV, and say such a thing. You know, it, it's gotten to the point where the Lakers organization has done a lot of hurt, whether with their moves or whatever, with their mismanagement, and now it's like their, their PR department, or, uh, I mean, she's not affiliated with the Lakers, but when you make sort of stupid, mark, uh, stupid comments like that, that hurts you even more, you know what I mean? Yeah, definitely, I agree. I mean, Lakers are not what they once were as a free agent destination, and I think the main thing it comes down to is winning. And in Durant's case, what Ramona Shelburne was referring to is that Lakers are a top-level franchise, class-level, one of the best franchises ever in NBA history. So based on that, they should just get a meeting with Kevin Durant, which I totally disagree with. Kevin Durant has stated from the beginning that he wants to make a basketball decision a decision where he, a destination where he can go and and win games. So, I don't see the Lakers as that team, and the Lakers have just become pretty much a laughing stock. I mean, their uh, their neighbors across across town, the Los Angeles Clippers, who were pretty much a laughing stock for the last thirty thirty five years, are able to get meetings with the the top level free agents and. The Lakers, they can't even get a meeting with Hassan Whiteside, who was, uh, two years ago was a, a, a nobody sender and playing in Lebanon. Well, exactly. So, you know, I mean, it, it goes down to say with this, you know, I mean, being a, a huge Celtics fan since, like, the, at the age of eight years old, you know, it's like, uh, I used to call somebody here, year after year. People always tell me, oh, Boston's not a free agent destination. You know, it's not being mission. No one wants to go to the East. No one wants to stay in the cold. Not the mission. No one likes to reach them or whatever it is. But I mean, and then it was always about the Lakers. Now, tide the tide has turned. It has changed. Now, Boston gets the likes of Al Horford, the likes of Kevin Durant getting meetings, and the Lakers can't get you. So it's a, a but the tide has changed. Now, I think it all comes down to um, it's not because the league is forcing it's because players now. A lot of players don't care what the league tells them, local. Oh, the league likes this, or the players want to do what's best for them. You know, and I think that's what's changing. And I think the Lakers, they're sort of stuck in that hole. You know, I think in the past, uh, I think in the past with the Lakers, is the league sort of, the Lakers were the marquee franchise, or whatever, with the name, the Jacoby Shaq, uh, with the Showtime era back in the in the 90s. And, and I think it was, uh, it was, uh, uh, the marquee team, but now the all has changed. You know, all has gone. The league has gone to a different norm, uh, a different uh, sort of uh, philosophy, if you say. And I think the Lakers are still stuck in those older days. Until they change and get out of that, they need to get to the times. You know what I'm saying? That's what I. That's what I think. Okay, definitely, I agree. Uh, and then, uh, I mean, were there other signing that they just signed uh, this morning? Uh, Lou Alding to a four-year, $72 million deal. How do you think he ultimately fits in with uh, the Lakers and their young core with D'Angelo Russell and Jordan Clarkson, J- Julius Randle, and so forth? Well, see, the thing is, I mean, four years, $72 million, that's what? That's what, like... $18 million a year? $18 million a year? Is it $18 million? Okay, $18 million a year. It's okay. 
I think Luol Deng is a good player. Uh, he has a, a, a few years left in him, you know. Um, but I think, but the problem is, is the Lakers have to understand they're a redeveloping team. They're they need to develop their young talent. You know, they have to uh, rebuilding. Kind of usually rebuilding usually takes a good five six years, unless you with the free agency you can up that up to maybe about maybe about three four years of rebuilding, but. I think here is, I think they paid way too much for him. You know, just like with Timmy DeMarco, but I think he's a lot better than Timmy DeMarco because he's, he can be a, a role player to their young talent, like Randall to, uh, to Ingram, who they just got the draft. He can be a role player, but at the same time is, I don't think they, they're, they're paying the guy four years, 72 something million, 18 million a year to sit on the, on the bench. He's going to want to play. So, but, uh, so when he plays, he's going to be taking time away from Ingram and um, the other players who they, who they signed. So it, it's sort of give and take, I guess. Uh, definitely, Luol Deng, a uh, veteran swingman, uh, has become a lot a lot more versatile player in the last couple of years with Miami, has uh, really picked up his uh, three ball. His defense is not as good as it once was, but it's def- he's definitely like a tweener between a three and four. He can play. He can play a, a four in a small lineup, so he gives the Lakers a lot of versatility, in my opinion. And uh, he also kind of serves as a, a like a mentor figure to their young uh, draft pick that they just picked this year with the number two pick, uh, Brandon Ingram from Duke. So they also have the Duke connection going, so that that'll be interesting to see. And it looks like he'll bring a lot of veteran uh, leadership to that young team, which is in my opinion, is much needed for them and with the young coach with the young coach they have in Luke Walton as well. They have to be careful too. Lakers have to be careful because this year, the next year's draft, 2017 draft, that's going to be one of the best drafts in the last so many years where you have like the top five or potential franchise players in next year's draft. And the Lakers this year, if they if they finish, um, I think there's something where if they finish out of the bottom three, um, that pick goes to Philadelphia. Yeah, definitely. Uh, for next year, yeah, next year's draft is supposed to be very deep. I hear uh, with a lot of uh, ripe freshman talent. So it'll be interesting to see how the Lakers play out the season as, as well. Kind of similar to what what happened this season. If they dropped out of the top three in the draft, then they lose their pick completely to Philadelphia, which will be pretty much a disaster. But at, at kind of at the same time, you got to kind of figure out when are you going to get back on track to kind of building a winning team, building a winning culture again. So you got to kind of find that middle ground, and it's going to be interesting to see what happens there. So what, what do you think ultimately? If, do you think the Lakers are a, a lottery team once again or a top five lottery type team once again? I think they're going to be a lottery team, but they're not going to be uh, in the bottom three. They'll be probably in the top five, maybe even less. Maybe like in between the five and ten. That's what, I, that's what my impression is. Okay. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. That seems reasonable. And then uh, before we uh, wrap up, uh, one kind of last free agent I want to get your opinion on. Uh, uh, 34-year-old uh, power forward slash center for the Chicago Bulls, Pau Gasol. Where do you think he ultimately ends up? I think he ends up with the Spurs. 
I think he was spurred because he's in that mold where he wants to. He's not looking to go to a rebuilding team. He wants to go to a, 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 an organization that's going to be able to utilize his talents and utilize. I think he's he's really well in that sort of team environment role. You know, where he doesn't have to have the ball. He's not going to be obviously the star player on the team. He needs to just play a role player role. And I think that's where I think the Spurs fit his. I think the Spurs are exactly where he. He should be, you know? Uh, definitely, I agree. That's a great fit for him. Uh, and uh, the Spurs provide a winning culture, obviously, with Greg Popovich, R.C. Buford, so forth. And then their veteran players like Parker, Ginobili, Duncan, and then their up-and-coming players like Kawhi Leonard and LaMarcus Aldridge have also bought into this kind of uh, culture. So I think that would be the best place for him, and it's definitely going to be interesting to see how all the free agent dominoes fall in the next couple of days and the next week. So, Akshay, definitely want to thank you for coming on and talking free agency. It's always it's always a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. Everyone, uh, thank you for listening. Uh, I'll be back probably uh, in a week or so to kind of discuss some more free agency and so forth. But uh, I hope everyone enjoys their 4th of July weekend, and I hope everyone stays safe. Thank you.